Michael. Jordan. Wow, Michael Jordan. There you go. <laughs> All right, I'm going to have to introduce you real quick. So for everyone listening, I wrote a book called Eat It with my best friend, Michael Vacanti, who is sitting right next to me. Um, Mike and I have been friends for years and years and years. Uh, he's one of the smartest people I know, one of the most articulate people I know, and I'm very excited to have him on the podcast. We actually do our own separate podcast for personal trainers, but that's a, a different discussion for a different day. We have written a book. It's called Eat It. The link to buy it is in the show notes of this. Today, when it comes out, what, on Tuesday, June 7th, it is officially live. You can get it right now. Uh, if you go buy a copy or several copies, it would be it would mean the world to both of us. But before we get into that, I just want to introduce you to Mike. So, Mike, could you just say hello and, and tell everyone about yourself? Hello. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm honored to be here. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited for the book. Um, yeah. So I am a personal trainer. Jordan, I came across Jordan's content in 2012, I believe was yeah. the year. I stumbled across a guest post that you had written uh, on how something along the lines of like how office workers can avoid back pain or if you're sitting all day, what you can do. And it had a number of suggestions in there and I left a comment. Um, and, and then we became connected closely later on because we both coach Gary. Uh, but Gary Vaynerchuk. Gary, yeah. yeah. So just a real quick background. I um, grew up playing sports, went to college, uh, became an accountant because that was like the smart, safe path and uh, absolutely hated it and quit my job to do what I loved and what I had been doing uh, since I was basically 14 years old, which was um, an obsession in a good way, obsession with uh, working out and nutrition and I became a personal trainer got a certification moved out to New York City and uh, started coaching clients back in 2013 in person um, eventually started helping people online as well and have been doing the same thing ever since which is try to help people lose fat get stronger feel better and uh, yeah I love the story where in which you you got the internship in New York City when you quit your job mm -hmm. you quit your job and where were you living when you quit your job? I quit my job and I moved to Chicago where a good friend I grew up with had like a half bedroom, half closet kind of open <laughs> if I wanted to live in it. How old were you at that time? 25. 25. Mm -hmm. And so you're living in this like closet basically, mm -hmm. sort of like Harry Potter, but as an adult. <laughs> yeah. And, and then, so someone that you followed for years had an internship in New York City mm -hmm. and, and the, one of the stipulations for this internship in the fitness industry was that you had to live in New York City. Mm -hmm. But you really wanted this internship. So what did you do? This is a great story. I, I replied to the Facebook post and uh, you know emailed his assistant, reached out through the contact form on his website. And I mean, I said, in my mind, I would live anywhere to, to make my dreams come true at that time. And so I thought, if I apply for this and I get it, I will live in New York City. Yeah. So I said I lived in New York City. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, was, was fortunate enough to get an interview. And when um, you flew there, I packed up, a, I didn't have a lot of possessions, but I packed up a backpack and brought my computer 
and was rereading like old fitness articles from various people who you and I both followed back in the day, like brushing up, thinking that it might be a hard interview. <laughs> I had a suit on. I was like, I got a dress to impress. This is New York City. I didn't City. know you were like studying for it. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I was, didn't know that. That's I funny. Was, I didn't know what to expect. <laughs> and I... I had a friend living in Harlem, and he let me crash on his couch. So I, I literally, you know, I said I was living there. The assistant replied back and said, okay, great. Uh, can you do 8 a.m. Starbucks off of Houston and blah, blah, blah. And it was the next day. And I was <laughs> like, okay, I can do that. So I jumped on kayak.com, and I was looking at flights. There was an afternoon flight that day booked a one-way ticket and yeah threw some stuff in a backpack flew out stayed at my friend's couch in Harlem and uh, and interviewed the next morning later that day found out that I got the internship oh and, that same day mm-hmm, okay that afternoon I got a call back and you know congratulations you got the internship uh, within two months of the internship because the internship wasn't full-time I I got uh, basically 30 hours a week coaching clients in person on the Upper East Side of New York City and yeah, haven't looked back since. I love it. That's awesome. Um, so before, so we're going to do a Q&A and we're going to, I got some questions from my Instagram story, but before we do that, I want to quickly, I want to talk a little bit more about you and the reason I want to do that is because the, I'm sure there are some people on the podcast right now who are so excited to hear your voice because for years you made some of the best content in the fitness industry and then you stopped for a while for the last few years and I there are many people who might not know who you are and I think they're probably wondering who is this person that Jordan co-authored this book with Mm. and I I want to hear from you and so you can explain to people like if they look at your Instagram they look at your YouTube like you were so active on your website, YouTube, everything on the regimen.com, uh, Mike Vacanti on YouTube, right? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. His Instagram, Mike Vacanti. Um, why did you stop posting on social media? Actually, I know you covered this in your recent YouTube video, but could you talk about that? Because Mike and I were so similar in some ways and also so different in other ways. And I think it's one of the reasons why we get along so well. Mm-hmm. But I would love if you could explain like how you went from doing sometimes a hundred days in a row of uploading to YouTube Mm -hmm. to then now you haven't really posted for the last few years. Yeah. So in that YouTube video, I said, I'm giving what I think is the right answer because I don't even fully know. But the answer is because I didn't want to post. Like I just, we'll call it burnout, but I, I, from 2013 to 2018 basically, I was posting very frequently across platforms um, and I guess burnt out slash didn't have the desire to be making content. Mm-hmm. And the other part of the equation was thankfully and you know, I, I was in a position where I didn't have to post. Yeah. So I didn't want to post. I didn't have to post. I didn't have to post because I had a full client roster essentially. I had people applying who were stumbling across my website, you know, multiple new coaching applicants every single week. Um, from a business perspective, I could coach clients and I was happy doing that and didn't need to post content as a form of marketing to run my business. Um, so, I mean, we can definitely go deeper on it and, and pick apart whatever you want to, but on the surface, like, I think I went hard for a number of years. Uh, I wanted to let my foot off the gas and 
just like, you know, instead of work 80 hours every single week, maybe work 30 or 40 hours mm. and sleep more and pay more attention to, you know, personal relationships, spend more time with fame, whatever it was, like things that weren't related to my business. I spent more time on uh, over the last few years. Although now, which I've told you many times, I don't know if you believe me or not, but I really do have quite an itch to be making stuff again. So what what is that? Where is that coming from? Like, is it because the, the book itch? is coming out? Yeah. Is it because the book? Is it because like you just want to make more content? Like you just, where is that itch coming from? Uh, boredom. Boredom. Got yeah, it. Yeah. I think, so I have a, a theory. It's not my theory. It's definitely stolen from someone, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't know who to give credit to right now, but basically the the best experiences or the best time spent is working hard on something meaningful, mm. at least for me, I can say. Um, and I'm at a, a point right now where I know that making content, which, which encapsulates helping people get healthier, get stronger, achieve their goals, feel mentally and physically better, like when I'm working hard at that, that's, that's some of the best flow activity I ever get. And that's some of the best feelings I ever have. And it's not just like that short-term dopamine feeling like you feel really good if you eat an entire pint of ice cream, but then you might feel like crap an hour later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like uh, you're doing something somewhat difficult, but you're pushing through that difficulty and you know that it's having a positive, meaningful uh, outcome. And, uh, and you still sit down and you still put in that work and, and you get up and do it again and do it again. And you... You feel it's a it's like rather than short term pleasure, it's like a deeper satisfaction. Mm. And I have been lacking that to an extent over the last few years. Like I, I really did enjoy just coaching for a while, but now I'm I'm getting an itch to start making more stuff that reaches more people and uh, and hopefully can help more people. One of the things that I admire about you so much and that actually changed my life was how in touch you were and are with the effects that social media has had on you mm. mentally and emotionally, ego-wise specifically. Uh-huh. And and that for me, I think, ha- has helped me a lot. But I remember when you were posting a lot and almost like towards the end of when you were posting and like you, you, would, you would say like, I hate how much I care what people think. Mm. Like I hate how much I care how many likes this gets. I hate how much... I care about the positive comments. Mm-hmm. And it was something that I think I knew in my gut, but I hadn't it hadn't made its way to my brain yet, if mm-hmm. that makes sense, where it's like I knew I cared, but I didn't know that I know. Like does that mm-hmm. make sense? Like mm-hmm. it, it was not clicking in my brain. And when I saw you starting to write about that and then all the conversations you and I have had over the years, it's really helped me try to detach from that. I'm still not a hundred percent detached at all. I think it's it's part of the science of how they make these platforms is to make you care about how many followers you have, how, much, how many likes you get, how many comments you get, like how many shares. Like it's, it's part of why I think so many people want more followers. They want to be like an influencer because they think that their life will be so much better mm-hmm. if they just build up these audiences. And from you, I've learned so much about how to temper that and temper my ego and be aware of it. And that's been one of the coolest things about watching you is just even though – you you've built up a big audience and a super successful business it's never been so you've never gotten to the point where you've allowed it to control you and, and i've always respected and admired that about you thank you that really means a lot yeah man. i really appreciate that you have done an amazing job of continuing to 
have your foot on the gas, being consistent with putting out really helpful stuff, mm. while simultaneously, like you just said, further detaching, you know, call it our egos or call it like whatever that, that part of us that does care about the positive feedback or dislikes negative feedback. Um, from what I've seen and from our conversations, you've done a very good job of disconnecting yourself from that and still just doing the good work that's helping people regardless of any of the outcomes. Thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah. But but that is a real, that's... It's a struggle. Yeah. And I remember distinctly, because it wasn't, people think it's bad comments. Like a lot of people think like, oh, people don't like when you get hated on. Mm. And for me, it wasn't, I mean, I'm sure if someone says something that really hits home, it's like, that doesn't feel great, obviously. <laughs> but it was more that I realized how much I liked being liked mm. and how much I liked the positive comments and how much I liked the upvotes and the hearts yeah. and all this. And it's like, no, I want to judge myself because no one knows no one knows themselves better than you. Correct. Like, you know yourself the best. I know myself the best. And so I want to judge myself based on who I am and, and how I feel about myself and how I feel about my own actions rather than how other people are reacting to like the version of me that I'm putting out there. Like, mm. and, and we've talked a lot about, yeah, it's, it's that, that definitely drew me away, which was, I wanted to spend more time, uh, not getting so much feedback and, and more, you know, in a little, in my own zone, in my own cocoon. Kind yeah. Of. It is one of those things. I remember you were the first person I ever heard say, and ever since then it's like, I've, I've reacted similarly in which you would say, I don't understand how someone who's never met me and they only see me on social media can say like something like you're such a good person. And it's like, but you don't know me. And and as much as social media, especially like as much as I try to be as open and as honest and as candid as I can, it's still only glimpses of me. It's not you don't see me 24/7. You don't I when I say you don't know me, it's not a slight. It's just the a fact. You can't know someone solely from social media you just can't and so ever since i remember hearing you say that and when i get those comments when people are like oh god you're such a good person i'm so grateful because they're trying to be nice they're taking time out of their day to say such a nice meaningful comment but it is like ah, i hope and wish this person doesn't look at me or anyone on social media and assume that they know that person even if they do something great in in that world or they did something very nice it doesn't mean that you're getting the whole picture. Mm -hmm. And that could really get, I think it gets to people. It definitely got to me and it's, I just have to work to temper it. Mm -hmm. But ever hearing, ever since hearing you talk about that, it was like, uh, I, I'll, I'll never forget when you made that post when I was coaching Gary and you came to visit us in Florida yeah. and, and you were like, I don't really know what to say. And he was like, say that. You're like, well, I don't know what to post. He was like, write that in your post. I, you're like, you're, we had this whole conversation in which Mike was like, Gary was asking Mike why he wasn't really posting. And Mike was like, well, I don't really know what to say. And Gary was like, say that. Say you don't know what to say. And and then you took it, you took it and you went with it and you spoke all about, and I'll never forget something along in the caption saying like, I hate how even after I post this, I'm probably going to sit here swiping up and refreshing this page to see how many likes I get and how many comments I get. And I hate that about this. Mm. I was like, man, it's so true. It's so real how like we can get so caught up in, well, what do people think of this? What do people think of this? It's, it can, it's a real mind game. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. It's, it's partly a platform issue and then it's partly a, a human nature issue, mm -hmm. I guess, because in a perfect world, 
I would or you would or any of us would disconnect ourselves from the feedback we get, right? Like Jordan the person or Mike the person is different than the content, mm, right? Like someone can correct. dislike something. I could make a post, you could make a reel and someone could be like, this is a, no, I disagree. You can't, you know, you have to limit protein to 25 grams per serve, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that isn't a slight against you. That's just a disagreement that they're having with the idea that you put yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. All right, so I think that was good getting to know Mike a little bit, getting to, to know our relationship. So we're gonna get into a Q&A before we do I want to briefly talk about Eat It, which is the book that we just wrote. Um, frankly, I love the title, Eat It. Like, yeah. it's fucking perfect. It's awesome. Um, we're already potentially talking about a sequel, uh, but we won't divulge that. Anyway, um, Eat It, the purpose of this book, and there's a lot in it, right? So the, it's Eat It, the most sustainable diet and workout program ever made. So in the book, there is – you get clear nutrition guidelines – like explanations of how many calories to eat, how much protein, all of that. And there's also a workout program as well. So it, it's, we explain some of the science of all this stuff, but also when you read the book, you get a full on program. That, that's really what it is. That's one of the differentiating factors is like by the end of the book, you have a workout program. We have a workout program for men, a workout program for women, four times a week option and three times a week options. We have an entire YouTube channel with videos of all the exercises that are in there. So if you have any questions on the exercises, you can see those on the YouTube channel. Um, we have like all of the, the, the nutrition guidelines that you need. And we also talk about other things as well, mainly how to develop a healthier relationship with food. That's why we called it Eat It. That's why uh, under the exclamation point, there's a donut instead of like the, the period. There's a donut in the exclamation point. We, we want people to develop a healthy relationship with food. And that's what the book is mainly about. Now, again, the link to order is in the show notes. It's www.eatit-book.com. And one thing Mike and I wanted to make clear is this. Number one, thank you to everyone who's already pre-ordered. Like many of you have already pre-ordered. If you haven't yet, please do. But to everyone who's already pre-ordered, our like our hearts are full. So thank you so much. We've been number one on Amazon for like a week now or so. It's just been amazing. Um, the one thing we want to make clear is if you've followed either Mike's work or my work for many, many years, we want you to know it's not like you're going to open the book and find tons of new exciting material that you've never heard of before right it's like we, we didn't keep things secret just for the book we've given away free content for a decade or more at this point and really what it is is it's a program designed like a, a, a pre-designed program that is in our opinion the best program out there and it's all of our best information smushed into one book so you don't have to go from Instagram post to Instagram post or to YouTube video or to podcast and you're not sure where to go. Anything you need to know is here in this book. But don't be surprised if, you, if you're if you kind enough to order a copy. Don't be surprised for like, oh, I've seen all this stuff before. It's like, yeah, you probably have. Um, we just I, I want you to know that when you get it so that you're not like, oh, I was expecting so many new and exciting things because you're not going to get that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's a really good uh, – cost. Just, just a good heads up. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's great. It's funny, uh, super well written, you know, because we wrote it. Uh, <laughs> um, but and it's it's I think our our best work, and we're really excited about it, and, and we hope you enjoy it. Um, so yeah, if you want to get it, a, a li the link is in the show notes to www.eatit-book.com. So now we're gonna get into a Q and A. I've just pulled some questions from from my Instagram Q and A. So Mike, one person wrote. What is the first habit that I should change when I'm trying to lose weight? So the first one, 
what is the, the number one thing, whether you're working with clients, someone who's going to buy and read, eat it, what is the first thing they should do if they want to lose weight? Man, so the the real answer is that it's going to depend, which isn't like a fun answer, but it's going to depend on who the person is, what they're struggling with, and, and where they are at in their journey, let's call it. But that doesn't mean there isn't a, a most common mm-hmm. scenario or one way I like to think about this, a most important factor when it comes to losing weight. And, uh, you know, there's some argument around whether focus on nutrition yeah. comes first or focus on exercise comes first. I have I have gone back and forth on that over the years. Mm, me as well. Um, I'm still going to take the default easy answer here, which is if your calorie intake is not in a proper range uh, consistently, right? It doesn't mean every single day. It doesn't mean every single meal needs to be perfect. But if your calorie intake isn't in a certain range, you're not going to lose weight. And so uh, assuming that you haven't had issues with tracking in the past, uh, maybe you haven't ever tried calorie tracking, maybe you've heard bad things about it, but haven't given it a shot and you want to lose weight, that's the first habit is, you know, you could be seven days. I think you can put in 30 days of tracking everything you eat, tracking your calories. And uh, that's the first habit that I have most clients establish that leads to weight loss very consistently. Yeah, I, I, I agree. It, the main thing is it really does depend, right? So if someone came to me and they were like, hey, um, I hate, I hate uh, tracking my calories. I, I've tried it before and I've never been able to stick with it. If, if they tell me they absolutely hate that, but they know they need to make a change, I'm not going to start with that because mm. it's like they hate it. And it doesn't mean they'll never do it, but I want them to see success. Like it's success stacking, right? Starting off with wins. So what I'll probably have that person do is I'll start off with walking. That will be that person's first habit. Now, again, they can walk all day long, but if they're not in a calorie deficit, they're not going to lose weight. But from walking more, they're going to feel better. They're going. They're probably going to change their nutrition. They're probably going to start eating healthier foods. They're going to start uh, eat, eating more fiber, maybe more protein, maybe not tracking their calories, but they will start to feel better, be more proud of themselves because they're taking action. And so once that happens, then they might be able to say, you know what, I'm going to start tracking my calories now. And that will come as a result of that positive emotion and feelings from taking that initial action, not to mention their health will improve just from walking in general. So in that case, I would say, walk first. But if I have someone who's like, hey, I need to lose weight. I'll do anything. I don't care if it's training or nutrition. I just need to start. I'm going to start with calorie counting for them. It's like, so it really does depend. The biggest thing is for me, I want to start someone off with the thing that they, they hate the least, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. like, it's, it's not about necessarily what you love the most because you might not love any part of it, but what do you hate the least and what can you be most consistent with? Yeah. Especially because of the, like you mentioned, the positive emotion that results from sticking to something, that's where you don't want to make the first habit, we'll call it, some insurmountable task. Yeah. You want even, and when we say, or when you say walking, it's not like 45 minutes, you know, incline treadmill at a massively steep incline for 45 to an hour every single day. It's like, if you can go on a 15 minute walk yeah. mo- most days like that would be a very good start and then like you just said you feel better about yourself your your self-efficacy increases which you've talked about plenty on this podcast and uh 
as a result of that, you're going to make better decisions in other areas of health and fitness. Dude, literally the last podcast I published on this channel, I spoke with an inner circle member, Simona. She's lost over 100 pounds, and it was all from nutrition and just small walks, like 15-minute walks, wow. just like you said. So I think a lot of people hear this stuff, like hear to Good for in, her. In, yeah, dude, she crushed it. <laughs> it's insane. amazing. It's one of the most downloaded podcasts yet. If you haven't listened to that podcast, go listen to it. She's lost over 100 pounds in the last two years of being in the inner circle and just all nutrition and 15 to 20-minute walks. And I think people hear two fit coaches say, oh, just go on like 15-minute walks. And they're like, fuck you. That There's no way that's going to work. That's one of the reasons I loved having Simona on because it was like, no, like this this works. Mm-hmm. Like this is this is we're not trying to sell you anything. We're trying to sell you a book, obviously. <laughs> We're not trying to sell you this crazy program or fat-burning supplements. It's like, go on a fucking 15-minute walk around your block. Yeah. That's, or get a walking pad like I have in my, my office. Whatever, just take a 15-minute nice leisurely walk, and as you get better, it will improve. But I think a lot of people assume that when we say that, they're just like, ah, that wouldn't actually do anything. There are plenty of people on social media saying walking doesn't count as exercise. Blows my mind. I hate to be the person who, like, blame society or like like the way things are but the the shift to information work and knowledge work over the last i don't know now 50 to 70 years or maybe a little less than that but basically the way that more jobs in the west are in uh, completely sedentary completely inactive office settings sitting down at Mm -hmm. computer at desk we just get so many fewer steps and so much less activity than we did for like so many of our ancestors did for generation after generation that doing something as simple as getting those steps in is it really matters going from 500 to a thousand steps a day to getting like 3,000 or 4,000 steps a day that's a big jump that's a really big deal yeah and research shows like for every extra thousand steps you get it makes you live longer yes it's crazy yep um okay next question and again, obviously, we're trying to sell the book, so I'm going to intersperse some questions people asked about the book here. So if you want to buy Eat It, please do. Link in the show notes, www.eatit-book.com. Keep in mind about it, by the way. Like, we don't dictate the price. We don't get actually – we don't get money from the books that you're buying right now. Um, once we make back – once the total number of books make back what our advance was, we start to get, like, super small royalties from it. Yeah. But we're already paid from the publisher Harper Collins. So you don't need to worry about anything. Get whichever, whether it's Amazon, whether it's Barnes and Noble, whether it's audiobook, whatever, get whichever one is best for you. Don't worry about, hey, what's what how can I give you the most money? Like because we're 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 not gonna get money from this anymore. Like, we already got it from the publisher. So whatever's easiest for you. Um someone asked, all right, so I pre-ordered your book on Audible. Thank you so much. Will you be narrating it? This is a very common question I've been mm. getting. Mm. Uh this is a an interesting answer. The the short answer is yes. The longer answer is, Mike, do you want to explain? How far back do we, do we want to go back to when Harper Collins asked us if we wanted to narrate? And I oh, was yeah, like, let's tell a story. I was like, <laughs> nah. <laughs> and at this, I don't know if I was having a lazy day or what was going on. I don't remember if we were on Zoom or on the phone, but uh, I was like, yeah, I listen to a lot of audiobooks, and, you know, the the professional readers do a pretty good job. So let's, uh, we don't need to, you know, get together, fly somewhere, do do this ourselves. And Jordan was like, we are absolutely reading this book ourselves for the audiobook. And I was like, okay, I guess we're. And I don't, I don't, I don't do that very often. Like I'm very not rarely. rarely putting my hand fist down, and being like, this is what we're doing. But I was like, there's no fucking way we're gonna have some schmuck read our book yeah, because yeah, yeah. I know, like, our voice. People want to hear it in our voice. Yeah. 
and and then just to whatever it's worth like i was open-minded enough to at least listen to a few of the like samples of the authors and i was like god <laughs> they sucked like some of these people reading i'm sure they're nice people but they sucked like they were really bad so we we did it uh we alternated chapters not exactly like there are some chapters where we might do like i might do two in a row or mike might do two in a row but it's both of us and mm-hmm. we we essentially alternate so half the book is is read by me and half the book is read by mike yeah yeah, yeah. that was I'm, I'm so happy that we did that that you because you you are probably the most go with the flow person i've ever met <laughs> in my entire life like you're very like cool like just <laughs> show up and all right what are we doing let's but uh that was that was really good foresight by you, and I'm happy that we recorded it. To, to explain how, like, sort of go with the flow I am, Mike would always get mad. We both lived in New York City for many years, and we were basically neighbors. And, and we were, when we would hang out and work together, Mike would always be like, Do you, uh, are you hungry? Do you want to go eat? Or no, he'd just say, are you are hungry? You, are you hungry? Are you hungry? That was it. And I would just be like, I could eat. <laughs> Even, and, and Mike would be like, no, I asked if you're hungry. I don't want you to force feed yourself just because I'm going to eat. And it was like, and I, it was funny. I never even realized I did that because like, I'm just like, ah, oh, whatever. Like if you're going to go eat, I'll go eat. He's like, no, no, no. Don't eat if you're not hungry. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't want you to like go off of your, you know. Plan or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Even if you weren't on something strict just because I'm eating now. It's like, oh, I just ate an hour ago. I could eat again. It's like, no, no, no. no. Are you hungry? Like, no. Um, okay. So someone said, do you have any advice for feeling self-conscious at the gym? Mm. Yeah, a lot. Um, man, I remember writing an article in when I, it was one of the first articles ever on my website. I think I titled it something like The Beginner Versus the Buffoon because I was at LA Fitness in Chicago in the spring of 2013, and I remember seen two bench presses i think i was on the third so if you picture like a row of barbell bench presses at a commercial gym i was on the third and then there were someone working next to me and then there was someone working down from them and uh actually it might have been one guy was bench pressing one guy was squatting it's not relevant but there was a big guy in a track suit like you know real kind of macho alpha dude and he had 315 on the the bench and he had a buddy spotting him and literally the guy spotting was just getting like real bent over row work like he was had both hands firm grip like forearms arms were just you know the guy was getting real work he wasn't spotting he was lifting he was lifting and the guy under there was bouncing it off the chest and you know he probably did 15 reps with 315 but he was only lifting 180 pounds of it his spotter was doing so much of the work and then i remember he was he was squatting because it was this younger kid and he was very very thin uh, probably a high schooler and I remember he had two and a halfs on the bar on a barbell back squat and he was I watched him for a little while he was doing three by five so he did three sets of five with 50 pounds and his technique was incredible and uh, I just remember thinking like that kid is going places. Like that kid might be self-conscious that he only has 2.5s on. And by the way, any of us can be self-conscious about anything. Like exercise selection, if you're doing a glute bridge for the first time in a commercial gym, that can be very awkward. You might not know if you're exercising with proper technique, but it's the it's the people who set their ego aside and just do their best like that kid was doing. Yeah. That gets real respect from everyone at the gym and kind of the the people who 
are dicks or are mean. And to be honest, they're few and far between. Very few and far between. Which is, thankfully, but those, no matter how much weight they're lifting or what they're doing, those people are actually, like, looked down upon. Mm. You know, I've always found this interesting that, number one, it makes total sense to be self-conscious going into the gym. What's interesting is that most people start going to the gym because they're self-conscious, right? Like most people start working out because they are insecure with how they look. So it's always been interesting to me, especially working in gyms my whole life, like the gym is a room full of insecure people. That's it. Like most people in there are massively insecure. And the other thing I found interesting is that a lot of people before they go in, they'll say things like, oh, like I don't want to be judged by like the big jacked meatheads. Right? And ironically, when you say, I don't want to be judged by the big jacked meatheads, you are judging people based on how they look. <laughs> right? Like, and people don't even realize this. When you're saying, I don't want to be judged by those big jacked meatheads, and in your head thinking they're mean, like they're, they're going to be judging me, it's like, you're judging them before you've even met them, before you've even seen them. And what's really interesting is you know if you go in there, like you're not going to be looking at what they're doing and being like, God, what an idiot or like what a big jacked meanie. Like It's like, no, you're going to keep to yourself. You'll focus on you and you'll do what you need to do to get done. And you might be insecure during that based on what you think people are thinking about you. Mm. That's what everyone is doing in the gym. Everyone is thinking, what are they thinking about me? What are they thinking about me? So you have a room full of insecure people who are worried that other people are judging them and actually judging other people while doing that. <laughs> so it, it's the thing is, it's very normal. It's very common. I would say more, more people are self-conscious and insecure than aren't. And um, Mike just had a nice big burp. <laughs> I know you tried to hide it, but I was like, I'm going to bring it up. Um, so uh, it's very normal. It's very common. But you have to understand that you're not alone with it. And really, no one gives a fuck what you're doing. Like, that's the most important thing to understand. No one cares what you're doing in the gym. And I think one of the best ways to reduce that anxiety is to have a program, right? If you go in there and you don't know what you're going to do, it can be very anxiety-producing because you're like, all right, I guess I'll go try this machine. I guess I'll, I'll try this exercise. Like, I saw someone do this on Instagram. It's like, have a plan. Have a workout plan. And if it's one of your first times going – Look at the workout plan and look at the videos before you go. Mm. This is super important. So let's say, for example, you wanted a new workout program like, I don't know, in our book, Eat It, which we have available for you in the show notes, www.eatit-book.com. We have a full comprehensive training program for men and women. If you're using that, you go in the book, you go to the end of the book. That's where the, the workouts are. But read the whole book. But, you know, go to the end of the book. You look at day one, lower body, cool. So you see the first exercise is a barbell deadlift. So then you would go to our YouTube channel, which is in the book. I'm not gonna say it on here. You find the YouTube channel for Eat It in the book. You look at all the exercises, you, you see how to do them, and then you go. You go to the gym and you, you already know what the exercises are, you've seen how to do them, and then you're gonna start with very light weight. There's no reason to try and start too heavy. If that just means starting with your body weight, start with your body weight. Begin with that. Begin with light, light, light weights. You can always go heavier. I'd rather you start too light than too heavy. And when you do that, you're going to build up confidence. You're going to get to know the gym. You're going to see some familiar faces after a couple of weeks, and things will get easier. But the reality is the only way to get through it is just to fucking do it and go. And you'll realize what's actually really funny is some of the biggest, meat-headiest dudes in the world, like tatted head-to-toe, big beards, like – they're the nicest guys in the world. Yeah. Right? Like some of the, yeah. the people in there who just look intimidating are the they have the biggest hearts. 
and they want to help you. Exactly Sometimes right. it's like almost too much. Sometimes they'll come over and I've seen people on social media be like, oh God, it's so annoying when people come over and like offer to help. It's like, I can understand some people in the gym are annoying. I've got someone in my building who's fucking annoying. You actually saw him, I think it was last night, uh, getting out of the elevator. Uh, the guy, he was, he was like, oh, I saw your wife is pregnant. I, I hate you. I hate that guy. Like... <laughs> I hate him with all my heart. Not because of what he said the last night, but because he's just, I'll be in the middle of a workout and he will just stand right next to me. Even if I'm on the damn elliptical, like, and I'm going for 30 minutes or 45 minutes, he will stand next to me and I have keep my headphones on and I'm like, oh no, I can't hear you. And he'll just stand there and talk at me. I'm like, I fucking hate this guy. <laughs> so some people are annoying, but most people, if they're trying to help, they're just being kind and being nice. And you can always just say, Oh, I'm good. Thank you. I'm following this program and this great book, Eat It. You should get a copy as well, www.eatit-book.com. Like, you should get this book too. But, like, I'm following this and I'm all set. And then they'll walk away. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's a great book. I had that as well. I ordered, like, 50 copies. <laughs> um, okay, cool. So I didn't really know how what this person meant by this question, but I figured I'd read it to you and see what you thought of. Mm. Someone asked, what sort of habits did you introduce to your routine when you started writing your book? What sort of habits did you introduce to your routine when you started writing your book? So I don't know if that means health habits or if that means how we adjusted our schedule to writing, but I'm assuming that. The, the schedule is the biggest thing for me. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, what we did was we found a time that worked in both our schedules for both of us, and we made that, you know, an hour minimum, usually two, it yep. was in the morning, and uh, and readjusted my day at least I can only speak for myself around that time and uh, yeah adjusted my workout time around that time but in life you're going to have different periods where you're hyper focused on a certain thing right you can't just have perfect balance throughout your entire life you're going to have times where you're more focused on if you're going to school or if you get a new job or if you uh, you know trying to lose fat is a great example because it takes a lot of time and energy um, and just being in a deficit for a long period of time is not fun or enjoyable. But there are times you have to be very focused on one thing. And for, you know, the better part of a year of consistent writing, it was the book. And so making adjustments to other things, maybe training a little bit less so that we had more time and energy to be writing were things that I did during this year. Yeah. Because our writing time was right around like 8 o'clock in the morning. So I I like to sleep in usually, and I know I, I have a kid on the way in like eight weeks, so that's not going to be happening anymore. But basically for the better part of a year, I was like, all right, I'm going to get up at like 7.30. And, and usually I like to get up around like 9. Uh, I usually go to bed late around midnight and then wake up at 9. Um, and it's changed over the years. There have been times where I woke up at 4.30 and 5 and 6 and 7. But lately in the last year or so, I, I wake up towards 9. But um, when Mike and I were writing, we would have about like an 8 to 9.30 or an 8 to 10 writing session almost every morning, mm -hmm. at least like five days a week. And, um, and there were also times where we went on like essentially business trips where we would go to Florida or where we would go somewhere and we would stay in a hotel and just cram ourselves in a hotel room for several days straight and then just write the book and write and write and write and write. Um, it was a really intense process for many reasons. Um, but yeah, that's, that's how we sort of adjusted it and, mm -hmm. and basically just I added more time to my day by waking up a little bit earlier. Nothing else changed in my life. You know, still went to jujitsu. Still, like it, we had to work around that. So, and generally speaking, we also have 
relatively low stress lives. We don't have kids yet. We don't yeah. have any of that. So it was mm-hmm. it was somewhat easy for us. Yeah, I thought of another adjustment I made that that some like fitness kind of geeks like me might geek out about. I don't think Jordan will be that interested by it. We'll oh, let's see. Do it. Let's talk about it. I. So I would do emails first thing in the morning and then coach Gary and then uh, normally I would work out and I would have just a very small, like whether it was a a small protein shake or like a very small pre-workout meal because I would have it right before my weightlifting session in the morning. Mm. When we added the book writing and I was on Eastern time, you were on Central time, so it was actually nine o'clock my time, which is normally when I was working out, but I had pushed my workout back a couple hours further. And so rather than just having a small uh, pre-workout meal, I would have like a really large pre-workout meal Mm. with with some fats in it, with some fiber in it that like really filled me up. And I would have that right before we wrote so that after our writing session, I would have those nutrients and that energy and be ready to go in the gym. So I'd have like three packets of oatmeal, put some banana and some blueberry in there and Mm. have that with some eggs or with a protein shake and really get full because I wasn't having it right before my training. I was having it two hours before my training. That actually leads into the next question, which is someone asked, do you recommend eating prior to working out? Mm. Which clearly you do. (laughs) No, no. Not necessarily. Okay. All right. Uh, Go off. Go off, Mike. (laughs) Personal preference, right? It depends on the goal. It depends on, for most people, for most like clients we've both coached, uh, training completely fasted or not having any calories or anything before their workout uh, didn't make sense. They didn't feel as good during workouts. Their performance wasn't as good. Um, There are times when like, Let's say you have to wake up very early and go straight to the gym because that's the only time of the day when you can get a workout in. Yeah. Uh, if someone's waking up at 5 a.m. and they're literally going to be, you know, under the bar at 5:15, getting a meal in in that window, even like a a whey protein shake, for example, doesn't feel great, doesn't sit great in their stomach that early in the morning. So in those instances, um, it's not necessary, uh, or I wouldn't recommend it. But for most people, having some protein and usually some carbs before their workout leads to uh, slightly better training performance or at least the perception of better training performance. They just feel better during their workout. Um, and uh, yeah, so the the one like quote unquote hack that, I, that led into this is if your pre-workout meal is well before your workout, two hours or three hours before, it can be a little bit bigger meal because then you're going to be digesting it before and ready to work out. Whereas if you're right before your workout, I wouldn't have like, you know, a 1200 calorie meal from Applebee's and then like <laughs> go work out five seconds later. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent agree on all of that. Um, okay. Next question. This is, this is a good one. Um, someone said, and they put in air quotes, they were like, ugh, I eat so many, ca- I ate so many calories. Everything I did at the gym is wasted what would you say to someone who says that? So like, what's your response? So someone's like, oh my God, I ate way too many calories. I think everything I've done at the gym is now wasted. What do you think about that? Like, how would you reply to a client who's like, oh God, I ate so much. I just ruined all my progress. Like, what do you think? It, the way I would reply to a client is, again, it depends on the client. With, oh yeah, with, that's a good with point. The, with a lot of clients, I would, I would frame it as, 
you didn't waste your progress in the gym. You just actually probably built slightly more muscle than -hmm. you would have had you not eaten those extra calories. Mm -hmm. And not only that, but your next training session is going to be amazing because right now your glycogen storage is full. Your muscles are, are ready to get a weightlifting session in. Like that's the way that I would frame it. Got it. Yeah. I, I would definitely use that. I think I would go with the more tough love route where I'd be like, shut the fuck up. Like, I love you, but shut the fuck up. I'd be like, no, you didn't. Like, it's one day. It's one day. Do, like, you, do you think when that person says that, that they believe they ruined their progress? Or do you think it's a little bit of like uh, cry for attention kind of? Which I don't want to feed into that. I uh-huh. used to. When uh-huh. I was a young coach uh-huh. and I was really worried about losing clients i was like every i was like i can't lose clients like i need to make money and all of that i was i would coddle them Mm. too much because i I didn't want to i was too scared about making them angry or Mm. or them canceling on me so i would coddle them and be like oh i think i ruined all my progress and be like oh no no you didn't and subconsciously they realized that if they uh, complained or had something like that, then I would come back with positive reinforcement. And so I was reinforcing them to to complain or to get really nervous about these things. And I, that's a really bad, a bad habit for people to get into. Yeah. So that's when I was, I, after, you know, I think every, basically every coach, every coach who cares about their clients goes through this mm-hmm. because they're scared about losing their clients. They want to help their clients as much as possible. They don't want to hurt their feelings. So they're like, oh my God, no, you didn't ruin your progress. You're totally fine. And this person is, is getting excited because they're getting this attention. They're they're being coddled. It feels really nice. So it's sort of like when, when I would have clients, they would get really worried. Oh my God, the scale went up. Like I think like the scale spiked up two pounds. I used to coddle them. I would be like, oh my God, don't worry about it. Da da da. And like, you're, it's totally fine. You're doing amazing. You're so great. Da da da. And they would love that. But then, I realized that, God, every time the scale goes up, they have the same reaction, and I think it's because I'm coddling them, whereas if I just say, like, listen, it's fucking fine. It's, you didn't make, you didn't ruin your progress. It's normal for this to happen. I I cannot allow you to have this type of reaction to the scale. If this continues to happen, you're not going to be weighing yourself. Boom. Never happens again. Like, okay, fine. Like, sorry. Like, and it's it's because they're like, I don't want to reinforce that bad thought process that bad emotional connection to the scale i don't want to reinforce that with this idea that they ruined all their progress because they eat too much food so i go the i go like the more tough love route with most people nowadays and i say like when i say tough love love is included like listen i love you you're great but this can't happen like you are this cannot be uh uh this is not a reaction that we can allow to continue Mm because it's going to do more harm than good in the long run would you deliver that message via email or would you leave a voice memo or because <laughs> how would you make sure that it wasn't taken out of context? I would prefer voice memo because they can hear my voice. They hear my tone. Mm. A lot of times people misread text a lot, which mm. I think is one reason why people get mad at me on social media because I write in a caption. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. And in their mind, they're reading it as like, I don't know, the way that their father said, shut the fuck <laughs> up. <Screamed them>. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's like, no, I'm saying it with love. I'm like, oh God, shut the fuck up. Like, you're fine. And you're, like, it's great. Don't worry, whatever. So I prefer the voice memo because it does allow for more tonality. Mm. And so they can really hear it. Also writing emails, it takes longer. Mm. Like if you're writing a really good email to someone like, you're doing sort of the compliment sandwich mm-hmm. where you say something nice and then you give them the thing that they need and then you finish off with the compliment at the at the end. It takes a really long time to do that. For a voice memo, you could do it in 20 seconds. Yeah. So, yeah, it's also a good way to establish a relationship with your client if it's if it's an online coaching client. Yeah. Like, that's why for all the coaches out there, 
if it, there's a reason why Mike and I made separate videos for Eat It, the book, rather than using other people's videos or just saying Google the exercises. We specifically made a YouTube channel for the Eat It book with us doing the videos because we want you to see us doing it. There's plenty of other people doing great exercise video tutorials, but it's not us. And so when you're working with people online, it's really, really helpful and important for you to be the one delivering that message, whether it's an exercise video, whatever it is, because that's gonna create a stronger relationship with you and your client. Yeah, 100%. which also, by the way, and I know from a sales perspective, this is a really bad idea to have a pitch for something else, but Mike and I have our own separate podcast called the How to Become a Personal Trainer podcast. We've been doing weekly uploads for months and months and months now. So if you are a personal trainer or you're thinking about becoming a personal trainer, you can go to the How to Become a Personal Trainer podcast and get you can listen to every episode we've ever done, which is how many is that now? How many episodes have we done? 82, 83 82? Maybe? Yeah, we've been killing it. So uh, if you're a personal trainer and you'd like to – hear us talk every week you're welcome to do that go to that podcast um okay next question i guess it's not really a question just a statement home gym weight starter equipment so mike if you had to talk tell someone who's just making their home gym what is like the first few pieces of equipment you tell them to get Mm, i love this so the way i think about this i knew you'd like this question (laughs) thank you thank you uh I think about this in terms of financial investment. So we want to get our the best bang for our buck that we can, right? In a perfect world, I would outfit a full gym with every machine and every weight and squat racks and everything in my basement. Like that's not feasible for any of us realistically. Um, so what's the best bang for my buck? And what allows me to do all movement patterns Right, and, and when I say that, I mean you might not have a barbell bench press, but if you have dumbbells and a bench, you can still hit that horizontal pressing movement pattern. What allows me to hit all movement patterns and do so with sufficient weight or enough weight that you can make progress on that move that you can get stronger? Uh, number one, adjustable dumbbells. Mm-hmm. Um, just you know, whichever ones you prefer, but they're. Uh, more economical than getting an entire rack of dumbbells by a long shot. Yeah. Uh, number two is probably an adjustable bench um, is, is the second thing that I would add. And uh, number three, a pull-up bar if you have a place for it. Yeah. Uh, you know, whether or not you can do bodyweight pull-ups or chin-ups, you can get bands for... A, TRX. Yeah, or, or a TRX would be yeah. another good good example. Um, good option. Those would be the like main three things, main three to four things in my starter gym. And then we could add from there, but those would be the first few. What else would you add? What would I add next? Depends on space. If there's enough space, like having a barbell and plates is awesome. Yeah. So like I would love that um, for myself and for most people. Um that would be the next thing. I would probably like any kind of cable pulley, although that cable thing that attaches to the squat rack that you have is really cool. Yeah, yeah, it's called the, this is not sponsored in any way. It's called Anchor, A-N-C-O-R-E. It's basically this like super small portable cable machine that you can attach to a squat rack or something. It's great, mm-hmm. yeah. Any machine, like I love 
the back extension machine, but the cost of it and the fact that you can only do one exercise on it, right? Like you get your adjustable dumbbells, you can do everything. 300 exercises yeah. with those, more. But with a machine, like what am I going to get, a preacher curl machine that I'm going to spend four grand on <laughs> yeah. and all you can do with it is preacher curls? So probably no machines, but yeah, barbell, plates, uh, kettlebells are, are on that list. Yeah, I mean things like medicine ball or Swiss ball are things that you can add at a relative low cost that you can add more exercises more variety yeah yeah i agree i think number one is adjustable dumbbells Mm -hmm. like especially from a pricing perspective from a space economy perspective Mm -hmm. so i have the bow not the bowflex i have the um uh power blocks thank you i got them i got the same pair when i was 18 years old at this place called gym source in framingham massachusetts they were like 300 bucks and they've lasted me over 10 years i use them all the time Uh, they're amazing I actually like them more than the Bowflex adjustable dumbbells, mainly because <laughs> Mike is gonna laugh. It's a it's a long story, but they're easy to break. They're they're easy to break. I, <laughs> the I had, Bowflex dumbbells are easy. Yeah, to break. I had a client once um, who I had I had them doing farmers walks with who, which by the way, we have farmers walks in the Eat It book program. All right, so if you have not gotten that book yet, eat it bookcom um, They were doing farmers walks. And right on the box of the Bowflex dumbbells, they say, do not drop them because they're delicate. They're like, they can break pretty easily. And they were walking, they were walking, and they start telling me like, Jordan, I'm going to drop the dumbbells. And I knew this client did not need to drop the dumbbells, that they, it was not too heavy. It was like, I knew it. And, and I think they were just like in a mood and they're, they're like, Jordan, I'm going to drop it. I was like, do not drop the dumbbells. And they literally threw the dumbbells at the ground and they broke and we had to order a new pair. Um, so that's always made me biased against the dumbbells, even though it wasn't the dumbbells fault. But I'm also like, sometimes you know, you want to be able to sort of drop them with force and with the Bowflex ones, you, you can't do that. You have to be pretty delicate dropping them. Yeah. So I, I like the, the power blocks a lot. Um, I, li- I like to set my dumbbells down gently. I think that it exemplifies real control <laughs> over the weights. Do so. you? Yeah, I do. Oh, interesting. Do. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think, especially for at-home training, so if you have the dumbbells, great, but I think a suspension trainer, like a TRX, is a really good option, yeah. Yeah. Um, especially because if, it, let's say you don't have dumbbells, a suspension trainer is really the only way you're going to be able to get rowing in, rowing, like upper body rowing movements in, if you don't have dumbbells, right? So uh, you get the TRX yeah. rows, inverted rows. You could even set them up to do chin-ups on them if you want to. Um, very, very versatile. And that's one of the hard parts about training at home if you don't have access to weights like dumbbells or barbells is getting rowing movements in. There's plenty mm-hmm. of pushing, but rowing is difficult. Mm-hmm. So I think a TRX is a very, very, very good option. Again, not sponsored in any way. It's just, I think it's funny. TRX is now, it's what people mean when they say suspension trainer. Sort of like Kleenex is yeah. what people say when they mean tissue. tissue. Yeah. It's like, it's just the brand. Good it's like them. They crushed it, right? It's a, There are many different brands of, of suspension trainers. TRX is just the most popular. Um, so, so yeah, I would do that. I would say... I, I'm a huge fan of the Swiss ball, like the exercise physio balls. Um, for, for the people who have been following me for years, the, the one that I have in my gym, I, when I was living in New York, they have these communal trash shoots that you have a trash room when you live in an apartment building. And someone put this physio ball in the trash room in my building in New York. And I was like, this is a perfectly good physio ball. So I took it. And I think it was actually, people on my story were like, that's a birthing ball, which I don't, I'm assuming that means that 
someone gives birth on the fucking ball. That just sounds dangerous to me. Like yeah. I wouldn't want to stable. Yeah. I'm like, my wife's about to give birth. I'm like, you're not getting on a physio ball. Absolutely <laughs> not. Like, by the way, I've seen people, I, oh, this is a good idea for a stupid exercise you shouldn't be doing. Bench press on a physio ball. Stupid fucking idea mm-hmm. because people will do dumbbell bench press on the physio ball and like coaches will be like, oh, it helps build stability. All right. There are many ways to improve stability. And if that ball fucking pops, when which it's happened, people break their wrists, if not smash mm-hmm. their face because mm-hmm. the ball pops immediately. You go to the floor mm-hmm. and you've got heavy dumbbells in your hands. If they don't smash your teeth in, you're lucky. If it only breaks your wrists, you're lucky. Like that, and that yeah. happens. It's it's very very common. So don't do dumbbell bench press on a physio ball. Well, not only for that reason, but you want stability beneath your shoulder blades. On yeah, a, on yeah. A, like yeah, you might get the additional core activation because you're on a ball, but you're not getting the the stability you need in your upper back on a dumbbell bench press. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's like there are so many ways to get core activation in your workout without doing it on a fucking balancing ball with lifting weights over your head. Just yeah. a terrible idea. <laughs> That's going to be my next stupid exercise you shouldn't be doing. Perfect. Um, is, is it that blue ball That's the blue there? one, yeah. Wow. The blue one, yeah. It was a birthing ball, I think. The birthing ball delivers great uh, <laughs> hamstring curls. Oh, yeah, because <laughs> we were filming the, uh, the exercise videos for Eat It, which is our book. If you haven't bought it yet, <laughs> www.eatit-book.com. This guy can sell. I love it. <laughs> and, uh, and, and Mike was doing the uh, hamstring curl on the physio ball, one of my favorite exercises of all time. And you don't see it in the video, but as soon as we finished filming the video, Mike was like, God, that lit up my hamstrings. <laughs> like, I don't think I've done that exercise in five years. I need to bring that back in. Um, so yeah, so uh, suspension trainer, dumbbells, um, physio ball, I would say kettlebells are a really good option. Even if you're not doing things like kettlebell swings, kettlebells are sometimes easier to do goblet squat variations with. It's a nice way to distribute the weight differently. So big fan of kettlebells. And then sort of like you said, if you have the space and the money, a squat rack is, if you get a squat rack, sort of like the one that I have, I got mine from Rogue. I think it's called, again, this isn't sponsored at all. I don't think Rogue even knows who I am, but Rogue Fitness, I, I believe it's the S-2 rack that I got, which has a pull-up bar on top of it. And it's just, it's super simple, very basic. It was very easy to put together. Um, yeah, that's what I would recommend for home gym. I love it. All right, so we're almost done. Here's what we're going to finish with. Here's a question someone asked, what was your favorite and least favorite part of writing Eat It. Oh, man. So this is one we're going to finish with. And before we answer, we should say, just in case you don't know, you can buy Eat It at the link in the show notes, www.eatit-book.com. Help you develop a, a better relationship with food, give you a full-on training program, nutrition guidelines, everything you need to know. But Mike, what was your favorite and least favorite part of writing the book? I, I believe that my favorite part of... There's a famous saying about writing, which is that... No one likes writing, but everyone likes having written. Mm. So when you sit down, when you put your butt in the chair, when you like see the empty word document, and you you know you have to string together sentences, you can get in that that good feeling, that flow state. But when the books were delivered to my house, oh yeah, yeah I think yeah. that was my favorite moment. Yeah, I mean there were a lot of like the business trips were very fun. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. like worked hard and then you know went to the beach or what like we we enjoyed ourselves but uh the the final like all of the work coming to fruition and seeing like 
the hard copy and yeah. see it with the cover and with the acknowledge and what's the it called? The index in the back. The yeah, index. Yeah, yeah. What's what's the the dedication? The dedication. Oh is... yeah, the dedication is if just the dedication is worth it alone. It's sort of like an inside joke with anyone who understands fitness. The dedication's great. Yeah. yeah. And seeing that all like, you know, it, it was a real moment of satisfaction, and so I think that was probably my favorite part i like that so i'll give my favorite part and then you give your least favorite part after i give my my favorite part i'll go back and forth so yeah it's funny i was trying to think of my favorite part while you were talking um i think my favorite part was so i was never good at school ever i was in special education i like always struggled academically and just athletics and sports and training and fitness that's what i loved ever since i was a kid it was the only thing i was good at and Ever, like as I was getting more and more into the fitness industry, my mom, who's I love, I love her more than anything in the world. But she comes from a family of people who are unbelievably intelligent and smart, like doctors, lawyers, um, superintendents, principals, just like uh, professors at universities, like super, super smart people. So I was sort of the black sheep on that front. And my mom, even as, as I got more and more into the fitness industry, she would always say, like, you can always go back to school. You can always become a doctor. You can always become a lawyer. Almost like not her, her like, punching down or, or making me f- deliberately feel bad, but basically being like, this career path is beneath you. Mm-hmm. And, like, always, you know, just saying you could always go back to school. You could always go back to school. And I love her more than anything. We have the best relationship. But that was always something that was difficult for me. And her reaction when she got the book was the best thing about yeah, it. Like she, yeah. I, I didn't even show you, like literally she sent me a text today. I'll show you right now. Um, it's the one with all caps. Happy publication day, all caps. She never does this. Happy publication day, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Congratulations. So proud of you. So happy and excited for you. Love you most, mom. Like that's what she sent in a, in a text to, I think, I think to my wife and, and me, she included that. And in, yeah, it was to my my wife and me. That's so to see that reaction, like she's, re- and she's always been proud of me, but like to have like a published book, mm-hmm. almost like a, like an academic uh-huh. is like, <laughs> is the, that was by far the best feeling for sure. Yeah. That's amazing. What, uh, what was your least favorite part? I, I don't get real anything. raw. We can get I, real raw with can this we? Yeah, why not? <laughs> Whatever you want. <laughs> you can't say you didn't have a least favorite part. You got to pick something. I'm I'm going to try. I'm I'm pulling I'm pulling at my memories for my least favorite part. Um I mean, all right. So, I loved our edit <laughs> Rebecca oh, was amazing. Yeah, Rebecca and was great. Re- Rebecca went on about halfway through the book. Uh, she was changing careers. and Oh, we had how many editors for this book? How many <laughs> did we have? Three. Three or – yeah, one of them was only an editor for like a week. Yeah. And then, <laughs> yeah, she went on vacation. Yeah, we got then... a bunch of people quitting – not our project, but quitting their job. <laughs> well, so we had three separate editors throughout this book, it was, yeah. which was difficult. But yeah. Rebecca was great. She was the first one. She Rebecca was, awesome. was incredible and just sweet and – brilliant and uh yeah she and, really and was wendy was also incredible who we worked yeah. with the second half of the book the the editor in the middle literally like <laughs> took over from rebecca and she sent us an email and she's like guys i'm going on a 10-day vacation to california like we'll circle up with the book when i get back and then the monday when she got back we got an email that was like whoever her name is like resigned from harper <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> like she definitely yeah. knew that she was gonna quit. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, before the vacation, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. But it wasn't like she was working with us, and then she's like, "I'm done with this job. Was... <laughs> These guys suck." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I honestly, I don't know. I don't know what my least favorite part. We're not, we're not the, getting off this podcast. I know. I'm one. fine. I'll podcast all night. I'm loving this. This is my favorite podcast I've ever done. Uh, what did I like least about writing the book? Oh, okay. It has to do, and this is just their job, right? But there were edits that we mm. had to make that I didn't agree with. Yeah. And, and oh, okay, here we go. So <laughs> I didn't know this, but Microsoft Word has like crazy editing functionality where you can see the you can see the timestamp, you can see the person who made the edit. It mm. highlights it. There's like a sidebar that keeps tracks of all the edit. You can't like delete and edit. Like there's a there's a running history of everything that went on there. And there were many times when we were reading back through our edits and I was just like, nope, like not changing that. Yep. And, and just like would reject. But then it's not like when you hit reject, the edit went away. Yeah. It like it shows that you rejected it. And then in the next round of editing, it was back there. And then it was like, absolutely reject again or like reply to it. Yeah. So uh, the book wouldn't be what it is without the skill and expertise and hard work of our editors. That's just a fact. But there were times in the editing process where we really liked like something, maybe it was a joke or maybe something that was a little like out of bounds, but we really liked it. And, <laughs> and I'd say we won 87% of those battles. Yeah. Like, yeah. like we, we changed things that made the book better. But when there was something that we were like, oh, our audiences are going to love this. Like this is going to be funny or was just something that we wanted in there. Yeah. We held our ground on it and kept it. But probably that back and forth was was my least favorite part. Or yeah. one of my least favorite parts. I, I, I was going to say the exact same thing. No, 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 no. no, no, no. Ch- all right, I'll, I'll find another thing I didn't like. But no, it's the thing about, about again, HarperCollins has been incredible. And what a blessing to be able to work with such a reputable uh, publisher, um, Hollis and Amanda yeah. and and Wendy and Rebecca, just like an amazing team of extraordinary women. And I think I'm leaving a couple people out, but like literally like some of the most incredibly smart, kind, generous, powerful women like I've ever met in my life. They were they were amazing through and through. Um, but it's one thing when you have complete control over what you write. It's something else when they're like. Because it's not just us now; it's also Harper Collins, and mm-hmm. it's their reputation, and and they have their methods of doing things. And so that that was definitely difficult, and you know, it made the process longer. It, it made it longer and more frustrating. But I'll, I'll figure out a different one. Um, <laughs> something I didn't like about the process. Um, let me think. All right. And by the way, this is just completely showing you there is zero editing on my podcast. Like you're hearing me, like a lot of most podcasts have editors, and like they, our personal trainer one has an editor. We yeah. have someone edit it. This one, I, I don't edit anything. So you're going to sit hip. here and hear me think about what was my least favorite thing aside from that. Um, so I think, uh, I don't know if this is the least favorite, but this is definitely something I, I don't like about the writing process. And I think this is just me personally and and how I function in my brain is that I I love this book. Like I'm so proud of this book, but I don't care if it's a YouTube video, an Instagram post, um, anything. I, 
I'm my own harshest critic. Mm. And I always know like, oh, like it could even be better with this. It could even be better with this. And so for me, I'm like, oh, I wonder if there was something we could have just made. And that's just like a little landmine in my brain where I'm like, could we have made it even better? Could we have made it even better? And it just eats at me all the time. So like that's the one thing in my brain where I'm like, oh, should we have included this? Should we have included that? But the good news is, I mean, that just leaves it open for another book if we yeah. decide to do that, if, yeah. if we sell enough. So if you haven't bought the book, <laughs> www.eatit-book.com. I know I've been joking the whole episode, but um, if, you, if you've been kind enough to pre-order anything already, it means the world to us. So from the bottom of our heart, thank yeah. you. Thank you so much. If you are have not bought one yet, but you're planning to, the link is in the show notes or www.eatit-book.com. Um, it would it would mean the world to us. It, we would really really appreciate it. Um, again, I, I don't think it's going to be anything groundbreaking if you've followed us for years, but to have it all in one place, all of our best work, our best writing, uh, we would really appreciate it. It would mean the world to us. So, uh, with that said, I think that's where we're going to end this podcast. Thank you for listening the whole way through. Thank you for getting a copy or um, many copies of Eat It. Um, just so you know, actually, on that landing page, Eat It eat it dash book.com if you scroll further down there are options to win prizes for ordering more books so you can get uh, uh you can enter to win a free month of coaching with mike you can enter to win free month in the inner circle you can enter to win free supplements for or, or discounted supplements from legion athletics so if you buy more books you have the option to uh get win to win some prizes and the reason this works this way is and we didn't know this before we wrote a book but to become a New York Times bestseller, there are many different um, qualifications, right? So obviously the more books that people buy, the more likely you are to be on the New York Times bestseller list. There's a lot of politics involved and it's not purely based on total number of books. Um, it's also included like diversify. So like not just from Amazon, but also Barnes and Noble and also other, other uh, houses, uh, bookstores and whatnot. But if you wanna buy more copies, obviously we would appreciate that. But even if you just get one, fuck it, even if you get no copies, but like you just, you, you listen to the whole podcast, thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Uh, but please buy a book. <laughs> uh, link is in the show notes. Love you very much. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day and I will talk to you soon.